Welcome back to Raven's Recap, Quarantine Edition. Oh, gosh. <laughs> which is just the same as every episode except for the first episode when we were all in the same room. We've been practicing so- social distancing for this whole thing, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, the second episode we did together, too. But yes, <laughs> correct. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the second one as well. But since then, we've been ahead we've of the curve. we had takes from the stadium, too. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, that's stadium the opposite takes. of social distancing. I know. You know I really 70,000 hope- people all within arm's <laughs> length of each other. Yeah, I'm worried about... Uh, Maybe the best timeline is like everything's fine. The season goes on. Everything's mostly safe. But there are a couple of people who are skittish about going to the stadium. And then we're like, we'll fill it up. No problems. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I guarantee you at this rate, though, if the NFL is the only league to come back on, I think people are going to want to go to the games to get out of the house. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. Certainly interesting. Something that we'll be looking at from week to week. It looks like right now the... The hot thing is to to watch the KBO and see how how South Korea <laughs> reimplements baseball. Probably the one and only time the entire sports world's eyes will be on the KBO. But the sports <laughs> entire sports world in a few weeks will finally have something live to look forward to as far as the major American sports go because the NFL draft is definitely happening. Its date will not be moved. However, it will be virtual. So that'll be interesting to see how that happens. And we're going to talk a bit about some maybe logistical and security things that the NFL have to keep an eye out for while they're doing that. But we want to look at what the Ravens, what their draft needs are. And then we are going to be very brave and pick out some players that we all research that we think might be good fits for the Ravens, which I'm sure... You know, looking back three or four years from now, all these picks will look excellent and none of these will look like terrible takes. But (laughs) we're going to attempt and be warned beforehand. We thought about this idea on Monday and researched for two days. So we'll see. We'll see what this really brings. Look, guys, we're not here to find the sleepers. We're not here to tell the Ravens what to do. Eric DaCosta is a legend. Ozzie Newsom's a legend. We, We trust them, right? I think what's really interesting here is when we look through these players, maybe one or two of them are like, that looks like a Raven. And then if you see the Ravens go up and pick them, you'll get hyped about it. Like that's that's how I'm approaching this research is I, I found some players that they, they sound like Ravens to me. And I, if I see them get picked, I'm going to be pretty hyped. But other than that, like I trust them, you know, <laughs> if they don't pick any of my guys, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. So right now it looks like uh, as it stands today, uh, the Ravens have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight uh, picks. So we have one in the first round, two in the second, two in the third, and the fourth, and then a fifth round and a seventh round pick. So yeah, I mean that's kind of what the Ravens are working with. There are definitely a lot of uh, a lot of interesting players here that we've uh, identified. You know, I, <laughs> obviously, I, I think the other the other part of this too is that a lot of this research I think is applicable to the early rounds, right? I mean, like you said, Alec, we're not here to tell the Ravens what to do. Those guys absolutely know what they need to do, and they're going to be much more likely to find a late round sleeper than the three of us in two, you know, evenings <laughs> could identify on the internet. <laughs> so I think a lot of these names are going to be uh, definitely first, second uh, round guys. Um, but I do think that there's probably going to be a handful of them that could be. Uh, guys that drop into the later rounds, but I think those are going to be much more rare. 
um, given the list that we have. So the Ravens actually have nine picks, Chris. Uh, there's one more pick there. And I want to point out, we have a lot of draft capital in the first three rounds. Five of our picks are in the first three rounds. And then, of course, the two fourth rounders. So a really high density in the most impactful rounds. So it's a lot to be excited about. And I think we'll be able to get a good amount of these players. I'd be surprised, honestly, maybe that should be one of our lines later on. Like, how many of the players we mentioned today do we end up drafting? <laughs> um, I would say maybe like three of them, honestly. That'll be a pretty good hit rate. So let's kick it off with wide receiver. I went ahead and researched this one, and I really uh, had some fun. So I'm thinking the big four wide receivers are going to be gone. And by that, I mean C.D. Lamb, Hollywood Brown's old teammate, Henry Ruggs, Justin Jefferson, and Jerry Judy. I'm thinking those guys are going to be gone by the time the Ravens pick. And I don't see them trading up to get one of them because I think they'll have to give up a lot of their draft capital. And there's so many interesting players that I don't foresee that being something they want to do. But one guy that really stood out to me was Denzel Mims from Baylor. This guy is six foot three, 206 pounds, has the catch radius everyone adores, and is a really physical and explosive receiver. He can block down the field and is not afraid to get in traffic. If that reminds you of Miles Boykin, it reminded me of him too. Uh, so like that, that was one of the things that maybe concerned me is that they, they had a little bit of overlap, but I'm excited about Miles Boykin and I'm also excited about Mims. So I could see either of them, uh, you know, producing with the Ravens if they went that route. Yeah, no, I think that all, all are good points. And you also bring up a good point with, uh, some of how the Ravens will be looking at this is thinking about what's the current state of each of these position groups. I don't know if you guys listened to the the virtual call they did on it was on the Ravens Facebook page last week, I want to say, with DaCosta and Harbaugh. And DaCosta spoke very highly of the the Ravens receiving group as it stands. And he mentioned all all five guys, not just Hollywood and Boykin, but he said that the Ravens are very high on Willie Sneed, Jaleel Scott, and Chris Moore. But at the same time, he also mentioned that he thinks there's around 25 draftable wide receivers in this draft. So I know that, that you really can't glean too much from what these guys are, are going to say during a conference because they're going to try and keep things as tight to the vest as possible, especially someone who's been around the business for as long as, as DaCosta has. But you really have to think wide receiver is on their mind. And I, I wouldn't be opposed to them getting a guy like Mims who's similar to Boykin, like you said, Boykin's got a lot of potential, but he's also raw. Hollywood Brown is there. Like, he is all set to have a breakout year this year. Boykin, I would not be opposed at all for them bringing in a guy who's got a similar skill set and, you know, can can light a fire under him. And, you know, he's. I'm sure the coaching staff still has his back and they're still like, we still believe in you, but, you know, if you don't perform, then we got this guy who who can take some snaps away and that you would hope would uh would just make Boykin more focused and more more determined to to turn into the type of wide receiver the Ravens expect him to be. Yeah, I think it's a good point Peter. I mean, the, the that take on that I think reminds me of uh what Mark Andrews was talking to the lounge about on the podcast the other day and that, you know, uh I think it was Ryan uh Mink Asked Mark Andrews, he was like, you know, oh, what's your relationship with with Hayden Hurst like? And he always mentioned, you know, that despite basically Mark Andrews kind of 
filling in the the void that Hayden left when he had his foot injury in his rookie season. He always said that they had got along, you know, extremely well. They were, you know, practically best friends. You know, he said that they had such a good relationship that it was it was competitive, but it was it was still a healthy relationship. So they they really drove themselves to perform better. And I think we definitely saw that last year with, you know, Mark Andrews having his breakout season and and Hayden Hurst was definitely on the way of, of you know, being there next, but you know, unfortunately, with the tight end position group, I think there were only so many opportunities to go around, and I think it just made sense for the Ravens to trade. But you know, I could see the same sort of situation happening with you know the receiver position with you know Boykin and, and somebody else like Mims, and you know, at the end of the day, I think you know that's going to be a pretty beneficial thing for the team overall as long as they have that sort of relationship going on. And you know, who knows? I mean. You know, maybe we're able to use all three of those guys in their own specific roles and, you know, they can all be successful. Before we get to two more of my starred players, I do want to talk about two players that have been tied to the Ravens, but don't excite me much. And I'll tell you why. T. Higgins, when I look at him, he's a big guy at 6'4", 216, but he just doesn't excite me as much as Mims, even though he has a higher uh, ranking in some draft boards. And another guy that really has red lights for me is Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona. He had a late breakout year in his last year of college, and he's six foot, 205. He's not a physical, and I don't know if he'd be a good fit for this offense. But boy, if you want to talk about physicality, I've got somebody just for you. He might be around in the second round for us, but LaVisca Chenault is a player that really is interesting to me. He kind of looks like a running back, 6'1", 227, has an A.J. Brown-type body, nay, an Anquan Bolden comp I saw elsewhere. He does have a core injury to be worried about, but boy, this guy breaks some tackles, runs across the middle. I think he could be really interesting in our offense. I could see him being used in trick plays. I actually was very keen on this guy when I saw him. Another player I've seen linked to the Ravens is Michael Pittman from USC. He is a player that we probably could find maybe third or fourth round. He has strong hands, high points the ball, physical in traffic. And although he doesn't have the best speed, a little slow to get up to speed, he definitely is physical and unblocks, plays special teams already. He'll need to improve his uh, fluidity to be more than just a wide receiver two. But honestly, in this offense, a wide receiver two is really all we need. And he could be a good value pick. I like what I see with both uh, Chenault and Pittman that these guys are are not afraid to get physical and go over the middle. Because, yeah, if you think about it, like Hollywood is all signs are showing that he's, you know, in the weight room and and putting on muscle this offseason. But he's still never going to be a a big guy who's going to who's going to make his living in the middle of the field. And Boykin didn't really show much of that at all last year. So outside of Willie Sneed. From the wide receiver position, the Ravens don't really have a consistent middle-of-the-field guy. So the fact that these guys are, at least in college, did that a lot, would complement well, fill some of the holes that are there in the current wide receiver group. Well, all right, that was some good analysis. I think let's let's move on to uh, another position group that I know the, the Ravens fan base is talking a lot about. Uh, let's go over to the linebackers. So this one, I definitely think you know if I had to uh, if I had to 
point a finger at one position group that I saw, you know, the most sort of discussion on uh, in the Ravens community. It's definitely on linebacker. So I, I feel like a lot of people, you know, out there who, who listen to this pod probably already know these names, but, you know, I guess we're going to throw them out and see if we have any uh, unique takes on them or, or not. You know, when I was doing my research here, you know, I, th- I think there's two guys in particular that you're going to hear the names for, Patrick Queen, Kenneth Murray. Those are the guys that, you know, lots of people are linking to the Ravens. And I think for good reason. I think the the other big name on there uh, is Isaiah Simmons, but I think he there is a, a a it's a non-zero chance, but I think it's very close to zero that he is going to be available when the Ravens pick at twenty eight. If he were to you know some reason drop beyond like ten or something, maybe if the Ravens are really excited about him, that could be a trade up. But you know, like Alex said, with the receiver position group, you know, it's going to be a lot of draft capital to move up. And, um, you know, it's it's hard to see, I think, the Ravens making a move like that when they really don't really have a history of, of doing stuff like that. But for uh, for Queen and Murray, I think those two guys definitely have a possibility to be available at 28. I think of the two, I'm kind of in the Queen camp of, you know, at least on paper, this guy seems to be a little bit of a better athlete, uh, a little bit better of a coverage linebacker. You know, I think the consensus on Murray is that he is a a good physical linebacker, kind of like a built like an old school kind of thumper. But I think people are a little bit mixed as to whether he is going to be fast enough, going to be physical enough at the NFL level. So it's it's something to be a little bit worried about. But, you know, on the flip side, I think you got to be excited about, you know, his... I think willingness to go for, you know, the tackles and just be like a tackling machine. I mean, that is something that you want from a middle linebacker. So, you know, I could see that happening. And then there were two other guys who I think are probably, you know, fringe first round, second round guys who, you know, could be interesting. Uh, Zach Bond is one I've seen a lot from a lot of different scouts, I believe. And I think he could be really interesting, actually. So it seems like he's is an edge in college. But I think a lot of people seem to think that he might be a little undersized, may not be strong enough to be able to set the edge at the NFL level. Um, but he has good coverage uh, ability, and he's got some good tackling. Um, so, you know, he could be one of those players who might be, you know, transitioned toward the inside. And, you know, he seems to have some good skills uh, to be able to make that transition. You know, so if he were around and for that first, second round pick that the Ravens have, I would have to think that they would definitely consider him uh, that position, but you know it's it's definitely kind of a question mark. I, I think the the key really is going to be figuring out the other teams who have a need at linebacker, whether they uh, try to pick someone up that early. And you know, just from a, a glance, I mean, I, I found five teams I believe who kind of have a gaping hole. So the Panthers, Browns, Eagles, Rams, and Packers, all in addition to the Ravens, uh, could make a move at linebacker. So yeah, I think it's definitely going to be interesting to see whether there's a run at linebackers early on or not, and you know how that translates into what the Ravens do for this position group. Yeah, great research, Chris. I think for me, I will say I, I haven't looked too deep into this position outside of Murray and Queen both of which I think would be excellent fits on the Ravens' defense and would be exciting players to bring in. And I think it's it's a pretty high probability that that these guys are probably 
among the 10 likeliest to be picked by the Ravens. If you look at what the team needs are, you know, probably the highest need positions now right now are, are linebacker, both edge and middle, interior lineman and wide receiver. It went first round wide receiver last year. I don't know if they're going to do that two years in a row. And DaCosta did highlight in the press conference how the Ravens have had a lot of success with drafting linemen between rounds two and five. So that might suggest that they're that they're looking at edge and middle over those two positions um, for the first pick. Or it could just be smoke, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I think that both these guys are look athletic. They both look like playmakers and you know also just the fact that right now outside of you know we love LJ Fort LJ Fort's a, a great player but he's not a he's not a game breaker and then outside of him you've got unproven Chris Board it's definitely a gaping hole and I think either of those two two guys would uh would be immediate starters on the defense if the Ravens go that way yeah you sure hope <laughs> they don't have the hardest competition I think it's undeniable the Ravens are going to draft a linebacker. Where? I just don't know. I could see maybe in the second round it happening. I'm not as keen on the first round as I've spoken about before, and it made me really smile when uh, Kevin Cusick just blew up the lounge. I I tell you, man, they were not ready (laughs) for the notion that a linebacker would not be the first pick. He completely blew their minds when he brought it up, and it it really made me smile. But I think he has a lot correct. The versatility that Chuck Clark brings... It's not as essential to have an every down linebacker. So you can mix and match and maybe get a little bit more value out of the position group that way. So we'll certainly see. I'm extremely curious, and I'll get excited about a linebacker. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not putting all my eggs in that basket. I think it's much more likely we go uh, wide receiver there or maybe even offensive lineman. So speaking of which, Peter, take it away with offensive line. So basically the exact opposite of what I said. <laughs> yeah, so I I drew offensive line, and I was one of the, I think I was the first to actually jump in and say my preference of which positions that I wanted to, to research. Um, I took offensive line because I keep, you know, not knowing offensive line, as I've said before on many podcasts, it's the position I know the least about in this, in this league of national football, and you know, I just wanted to jump in and read some more about these offensive linemen and see if I could find some guys that might fit well for the Ravens. And I found out, not to my surprise, that it's hard to read offensive line scouting reports and figure out much about them beyond whether or not the guy's a good and reliable run blocker or pass blocker or not. So <laughs> what I did to start with, actually, was I looked at, I, I dug up the scouting report on... Marshall Yonda back in 2007 and wanted to kind of see what, what the scouts at the time said about Yonda. Why did, why did Yonda slip from being, you know, should have been a top 15 pick that year based on what he turned into. I mean, obviously scouts didn't see that or else he would have been drafted that high. Something to keep in mind if when the Ravens do uh, inevitably draft these players and there's some, you know, some things on the scouting report that need to, uh, the players need to improve on. Some things that stuck out with looking at Marshall Yonda's scouting report that the scouts believed that he needed to add more muscle and 
do a better job with his hand placement and leverage in order to become uh, even a competent run blocker at the NFL level. That was fu- another funny thing about his scouting report is, you know, Yanda w- was obviously lauded as a great pass protector, but really run blocking was the the thing that his calling card. But his scouting report uh, highlighted his pass blocking over his run blocking, if that was his better asset at the time. But the scouting report really highlighted his his effort and his ability to be a leader as some things that would look good and uh, showed some signs that he could turn into at least a serviceable NFL starter. And of course, we know the rest. So Peter, it really made me happy when I saw in the notes that you pulled up Yonda's evaluation before the draft. And one of the things I was thinking about before seeing that while going through my analysis is I try to find where the dots can connect, right, with these players. So for Yonda, his biggest thing was that he needed to get stronger, right? Like, that was a huge thing they were saying. He needed to get stronger to really compete at the NFL level. But they also said he was a hard worker and a leader. And I was like, all right, a hard worker and a leader can go to the weight room, right? So, like, you can see how, like, that naturally progresses. But if it's something more, um, like, how fast they process the game or maybe lack of effort here and there and stuff like that. Those are huge red flags for me personally, because those are like fundamental, much harder to change things. So for Yada, like I could see how the dots kind of connected and it's like, okay, that's how he became an all time. Great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and one of the guys who I found actually, this is the first guy I wrote down on my list who kind of seemed to fit that mold of, you know, great leader really knows what he's, he's doing in, in like the weight room and, and just doing day-to-day things is um, the number four, well, at least he's ranked number four on this list we're looking at from The Athletic. Number four guard in the draft, Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. Now, he, he did play tackle in college, and he's projected in the NFL as a tackle, uh, but DaCosta did talk in his, in his press conference that he does see some potential for some of the tackles in these in this draft to move in and play guard. So I wouldn't, considering the Ravens are probably, well, definitely the most set at tackle uh, than any position along the offensive line with Stanley and Brown coming off Pro Bowl seasons, and you've got Andre Smith locked up for this year as a backup. I wouldn't be surprised to see them take a, t- a tackle that they think could move inside and play guard. And I'm not, I, I will preface, I'm not sure if Thomas can. Again, my limitation of what I know about offensive linemen, but this guy, it comes out, he's an excellent run blocker and he's got to work on his pass protection according to the scouting reports, but his coaches say he's one of the best leaders they've ever seen come through the program and that he's highly durable. And, you know, Georgia is one of the best college programs out there. So he's played at a high level. Um, So I don't know if the Ravens are going to draft him. Um, he might be off the board before they pick, but he is definitely a name that should be high on their boards. Looking, maybe if they do in the offensive line in the second round, Cesar Ruiz out of Michigan projects as a center, maybe a guard at the next level. What struck out to me reading this guy's draft profile is he's able to make split-second reads and adjust on the fly in the trenches, which sounds to me like he's got very good instincts and would do really well when Jackson is out there, you know, improvising, extending the play with his legs. 
he's kind of the opposite of Thomas as far as, you know, pass block to run block. Pass blocking is where this guy is, his strength is right now, but he's shown steady improvement year to year in the run blocking department. So he's another guy that the Ravens could have their eye on. I guess I should have had these two guys swapped. The top center in the draft looks like it's Lloyd Cushenberry third out of LSU. Another guy who's high, has high dur- hard durability, plays every snap. One thing I noted in his, uh, <laughs> his scouting report was that the scouting report specifically said that he has outrageously long arms, <laughs> which kind of makes him the anti-Makari. <laughs> <laughs> like Ruiz, really strong pass blocker, limited run blocker. He's getting a borderline first, second round grade. So again, if the Ravens want him, he would be there, probably be their first or second selection. So those are the guys that kind of uh, highlighted this, the top guys. Then after that, I highlighted some guys who might be, might be steals around the fourth to sixth round. Do you guys have any, any comments on those guys I, I highlighted or any other names you guys have heard of? No, I don't think so. I mean, yeah, I've, I've seen Cesar Ruiz uh, linked to us in a couple of mocks. Uh, he definitely seems like an interesting pick. Uh, I, you know, I could definitely see, you know, a, a late first round, early second round pick on a lineman seems a very Ravens thing to do. I certainly wouldn't be upset with that. I think it definitely fills in a need from a depth perspective, uh, depending on how uh, Scarra is able to return and, um, you know, Yonda's departure. So, yeah, I mean, either one of those guys, I think uh, Ruiz or Cushenberry, I think could uh, could be really interesting. I, I agree with you on your analysis of, of Thomas, though. He he definitely sounds um, sounds like a guy who would, would be a great fit, but uh, if he's a higher-ranked prospect, you know, it's probably more likely that he might not be there at 28. Yeah, I'll admit, offensive line is something that if I haven't heard you link to us in a mock draft, I haven't heard of you at all. It's uh, a hard position to scout, so I really didn't do it. So I appreciate the work that you did there, Peter. <laughs> yeah, it was, like I said, it was tough, but it was fun. I had, I had some fun doing it. Outside of those guys, like, we, we should all remember, Ben Powers is a guy that we think that the Ravens are, are at least going to give a shot to be one of the guys who's going to... Ben Powers is probably going to get the first crack at, at playing right guard next year you know his fourth round pick last year he played well against the Steelers in that final game last year but the Ravens should definitely bring in someone as competition to him especially with the fact that Skura is coming back from a pretty a pretty big injury so the Ravens you know I wouldn't be shocked if they draft two linemen in this draft and one of them would probably be a later round pick and I'm really, really throwing darts at a dartboard here for all the reasons Alex stated as to how this is hard position to um, to scout. But a couple guys that kind of sounded like they could potentially be Ravens are um, there's Jonah Jackson, guard from Ohio State, plays all three techniques, very sound run blocker. There are concerns from the scouts that this that he has more. He's more of an NFL body than an NFL player. I guess that might mean, you know, athletically he's there, but skill-wise he's got he's to get better. Uh, projects is around a fourth to fifth round pick. Then there's another guy, Matt Hennessy, a center out of Temple, who I saw on a separate website. Um, I believe it was CBS Sports, um, but I'm looking. I can't find him in the athletics draft. Uh, <laughs> draft list right now so I don't know how high of a prospect this guy is 
he's probably also more of a third to fourth round pick. He's an undersized center, so you know maybe this is just another Macari. So maybe it doesn't make sense for Ravens to pick someone like this. But um, extremely tough and is quick, which is an asset again with being in an offensive line with such a mobile quarterback. And then another guy I found was Solomon Kindley, the guard out of Georgia. In his NFL.com scouting report, I kind of had to laugh at this assessment of him. So apparently this guy looks for fights in a relatively small phone booth where he's most comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not 100% certain what that means, but I guess if... You know, if he's comfortable there, then I'm sure he knows how to find that on the field, and you know, it'll be an asset in that situation. But he's um, a masher, bro. He's a masher. Yeah, the, the the scouting report says he's a masher, very physical guy. So I think he would fit really well in a power running scheme, which the Ravens absolutely implement. So I'm not going to take any credit if the Ravens do pick one of these three guys and they end up being a steal because this was really just you know me making wild guesses, but. You know, we'll see. We'll see what the Ravens do. <laughs> so moving from one side of the ball to the other, if we're looking at the defensive ends and outside linebacker position, there's quite a few names that have been tied to the Ravens. And these names are interesting, uh, but I think I might have found a guy in the later rounds who might be extremely interesting. Not actually, two guys, but we'll get there later. Some of the top-tier guys that have been linked to the Ravens are Yatur Gross Matos uh, from Penn State. He has all the tools, Six foot five. 266, but his production was a little lacking in college. And to be quite honest, um, if they can't produce against the future gym teachers of America, I am not like particularly keen on drafting them. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, I really want someone who has already shown success. And there's definitely players later on here who have had great success. One guy everyone's been talking about, heard about him on the lounge, heard about him in other places. Outside linebacker Terrell Lewis of Alabama. A, he's from Alabama. B, his name is Terrell Lewis. <laughs> he is a linebacker. It's a conglomeration the- of all the best Ravens things. <laughs> I know. <laughs> At six foot five, two sixty-two. Oh man, he has it all going on. The biggest thing that's a red flag for this guy is just his injuries. He's very raw, has a lot of potential, has missed almost two seasons. Um, after missing a whole season in 2018 and then being injured for a good bit last year, he can definitely set the edge, and he might even go in round one. So it might not be a pick that the Ravens have the luxury of making, being at the later part of round one. But if he does fall um, because of those injury concerns, that could be a, a huge steal in the second round for the Ravens. Yeah, no, I do agree with you, though, with um, Gross Matos. Lack of production in college with those physical tools is always a bit of a, a red flag. You'd feel a little, little nervous if that was the pick the Ravens made, but yeah, Terrell Lewis, he's got Ravens written all over him. If they, he's available and that's a high need, the Ravens believe that's a high need. I wouldn't be shocked at all to see them take him. And it's important to bring up the fact that the need for this position group has definitely changed because of the off season moves. We haven't gotten a chance to talk about this yet, but Derek Wolf signed with the Ravens since the last time we recorded for a one-year, $6 million contract. Three of those million are incentive-based. So quite candidly, I'm very excited about this pickup, much more excited than, than Brockers. He fell through since the last time we recorded. And, you know, he's been really productive. He was really productive last year. And 
He seemed to be extremely excited to come to the Ravens, made a priority in the offseason, told his agent, I want to find my way there. So uh, I got, I, I'm just excited. He sounded like a Raven to me. Yeah, very, very excited. If you guys haven't had a chance to listen to uh, the interview on the lounge that he gave uh, a couple of days ago, man, oh man, that was a great interview to to listen to. You could just tell from his voice how excited he was here to be in Baltimore playing with everybody here. You know, it's a shame that Yonda retired about a month before he got here, though, because I would have loved to see those two guys interact to be on the same team. Um, because, you know, if, if you didn't know, they uh, they kind of have a history going back to the uh, 2012 uh, playoff game against Denver, where uh, it was Derek Wolf's rookie year, and he was playing up against Yonda in one of the coldest games he's ever played against in, in his career. And, uh, you know, both... You know, Derek Wolf and Yonda, I think, uh, at his retirement presser, both uh, referenced the that same game as being very significant in their careers. And you know, it's uh, it's it's really cool to to see uh, you know, somebody who used to be on the other side now play for us. It's uh, it's it's real awesome. I want to make note of a guy in the second round, outside linebacker Joshua Uche from Michigan. He's a smaller guy at six foot one, two forty five. So you're looking at him to be maybe more of a coverage uh, outside linebacker. But I'm afraid to say he actually is a liability as of right now. He does have the ability to go sideline to sideline with a great burst, uh, but he only had one year as a starter due to injury. So this is another one of those players that is tied to the Ravens, but doesn't particularly excite me. The two players I really want to point out later round guys, and I think that's appropriate for this group because. We don't necessarily need him to make an impact just now. We got some defensive linemen. We got Judon as of right now. And uh, Tyus Bowser might be on the ascendancy and uh, Jihad Ward. So they don't have to necessarily produce year one. So one guy, small school talent, Alex Highsmith from Charlotte. Look out for this guy. He had 14.5 sacks last year. He can play on either side of the line. And he definitely went off against tough competition, despite being in a small school. And one of the things that got me excited, nonstop motor. Always love to hear that, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So this this player just screamed Ravens to me. He needs to shed blockers a little bit better. You can see with his 248-pound frame, he might need to gain a little bit of weight. He currently is a, a quickness rusher. He, he kind of lacks that second move, so he's going to have to work on that maybe uh, improve his hands, and then maybe we'll see this guy become a really elite pass rusher in the NFL. So he excited me. Another guy, if you watched college football, unlike me, you might have known uh, that Miami had a really good pass rush this year. They had two players. Jonathan Garvin didn't excite me as much, but Trayvon Hill did. He plays bigger and faster than he is at six foot three, two forty eight. 248. Uh, he was a senior bowl standout, and... Although uh, he didn't do that well at the Underwear Olympics, a.k.a. the Combine, he has shown in the game film great change of direction and pass coverage skills. So I thought, you know what? He didn't do well at the Combine. That's my kind of guy. You know, <laughs> Orlando Brown Jr., go get him. Yeah, we know the Ravens uh, Ravens really pay attention to the Senior Bowl and they've certainly picked guys in the past who who did well there. Yeah, both these guys look like, are like great finds, Alec, um, down in the lower half of the of the list. I'm reading Alex Highsmith and I'm thinking Matt Judon. That just reminds me of, of Matt Judon. Cause he didn't, he have a, a sack record for the conference that he played in. 
Yeah, so Judon, he had, had 20 sacks his senior year, and I'm pretty sure he had a lot of sacks in his years before that, too. And small small school, coming from Grand Valley State. Yeah, so it sounds to me like like he we could have another Judon right there. And yeah, so I think both those guys are definitely, pro- they're probably already on, on the Ravens' big board, I would think, based on on what we're seeing here in comparisons to to past guys the Ravens have drafted. The real question is, does Alex Highsmith have an Instagram live game show going on to pair up his sister-in-law <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> with uh, some, you know, some mate during the quarantine? <laughs> Judon's just a total character, man. <laughs> I don't know if you guys watched that, but I was just watching like, I don't know why I'm watching this. If he wasn't a Raven, I wouldn't be. <laughs> yeah that or uh you know if highsmith has a, a slogan like body built by you know kfc or something <laughs> <laughs> that might also be a a good comparison for judon but yeah no i i agree Alec. Like, i think these are some great finds um would definitely love to see either highsmith or uh, trayvon hill or, or some of these other guys you have listed here in the later rounds uh become a raven because uh at least some of the traits that you've listed here, they uh, they kind of stand out to me as well. So, uh, I was going to say actually uh, one guy who I've seen uh, frequently in the, uh, the edge position, uh, but I noticed he didn't have here. Uh, I wasn't sure whether that was because of like uh, the latest mocks of, of where this guy is projected. But uh, what did you think about uh, AJ Epineza? Chris, thanks for calling me out on AJ. Uh, candidly, he did slip through my uh, my analysis, but. You do the magic of editing. I actually just uh, watched some player profiles on this guy and looked him up. Six foot five, two seventy five. So you got that huge body that you would love to see from your edge player. One of the things that stuck out to me is that he didn't do well at the combine. You love to hear it, right? Another guy that may be falling <laughs> because of his combine, but apparently, if you watch the film, he's absolutely relentless and plays like a, ro- a warrior. So I'm I, that, that excites me. I could see it. He's ranked thirty on this board, uh, thirty one rather. So. Mm-hmm. That that looks like a first round pick, right? For us, I don't see him falling any further. And you were suggesting that he's gone up in in some of the ranks. Yeah, well, I, I'm actually yeah, I'm not I'm not entirely sure about that. That's why that's why actually I had asked um, t- okay. because I I didn't know whether you had assumed that he was going to go a little bit earlier or not. But yeah, I mean I agree from from what I saw, he might be available in the later the first round. But yeah, I mean, with a lot of these traits and you know some of the film that he's got, I can imagine that there would be a risk of somebody taking a flyer on him a little bit earlier. But if he definitely falls to 28, I would be very, very interested to bring him in as a Raven. The other good thing too, I mean, we just talked about our other Iowa player that we really you know loved for a long time, uh, Marshall Yanda. So it would be great to have another uh, uh, Iowa player here for the Ravens. Yeah, so that kind of wraps up the... Uh defensive end and outside linebacker position from the defensive tackle perspective it sounded like there were a lot of michael pierces in this draft a lot of players who good against the run but not as great pass rushers they might develop into that one guy i want to point out he's around third round prospect is marlon davidson at six foot three three oh three he um is really explosive off the snap and can be used as a situational pass rusher i thought maybe he could be a guy who learns from Calais campbell um, one of his knocks was that he isn't as good at processing and that kind of can get him out of position at times. Um, but he definitely sounds like a hard worker. He pr- promised his mom that he would get his degree and that's what he did. So 
You gotta love that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, like I said, there's a lot of these players that are kind of remind me of of Michael Pierce, um, bigger players, um, but maybe not getting the pass rush out of these guys. Yeah. But I guess when you have Campbell and Wolf right now, I do wonder if pass rushing interior linemen is as big as a necessity this year. I think like we were we were stating before the show, bringing in Campbell and Wolf makes that position less of you need to find the guys for the future now. But it also wouldn't hurt to find a guy um, if you really if he really looks like a steel and a raven and have them learn behind these guys because. I mean, in particular, Campbell's 33? He'll be 34 by the start of the season. 34 by the start of the season, yeah. Um, so that's up there for a defensive lineman. And uh, Brandon Williams and Wolf are both around 30 themselves. So, you know, the Ravens have, have Mac. Um, so it wouldn't be a bad idea to maybe spend a late-round pick on a, on a developmental guy who's, who's hardworking and has potential. Yeah, and kind of in that similar vein was uh, the cornerback position groups. I kind of got this one. So, uh, you know, again, I, I kind of feel like I, you know, as I was looking through the draft prospects, I kind of felt the same way that you did, Alec, in that, you know, it, it kind of felt like, you know, there were a lot of outside cornerbacks or at least prospects who projected as outside cornerbacks. And with the Ravens bringing Jimmy Smith back and already having Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters on the outside, uh, having another outside cornerback, um, even a developmental player, seems to be kind of a luxury pick at this moment. But we're still not sure of you know whether Tavon Young is going to be ready uh, this year, or whether he's going to be healthy this year to play at slot corner. Uh, so it, you know, I know uh, several people, you know, including Ken, have, have remarked that it would probably be good for the Ravens to find a. Uh, slot cornerback in the draft to be able to add some depth there and and maybe eventually start you know maybe not this year but maybe next year the year the year after or something but uh one guy who actually did seem to fit the mold of slot cornerback who i thought could be particularly interesting in the later rounds uh javaris davis from from auburn he's definitely a smaller guy probably you know even smaller than Tavon young he's only 5 8 uh, 180 pounds but uh you know a lot of people seem to to note that his comparison is to Jonathan Jones, uh, the cornerback from the Patriots. And, you know, he seems to have a lot of the athleticism and agility that you want in a slot cornerback. Uh, seems to be a pretty good at anticipating routes, able to, you know, have the ability, uh, the ball skills to be able to play a slot corner position. Uh, you know, it's also note that he seems like a tough competitor, you know, is really kind of one of those guys who just wants to, you know, get in and make a tackle. So to me, I mean, that sounds a lot like, uh, you know, a Tavon Young-like player who could be interesting. Um, the other two guys that I have noticed, honestly, these are kind of more shots in the dark. I'm not going to say that these are very likely, but I'm just going to, you know, say it to make things interesting. So round one, if, you know, let's say every other interesting player at other position groups are taken, you know, but the Ravens may have somebody else on their board. Uh, I think, you know, an interesting pick could be Trevon Diggs. Uh, who happens to be the brother of uh, another Maryland player that was uh, projected to the Ravens a couple of years ago, Stefan Diggs. Um, so it looks like he's like the fifth or sixth ranked cornerback in this year's draft class. You know, not so much of a slot cornerback guy, but I think the interesting thing about him is that a lot of his strengths seem to read pretty similar to a guy like Marcus Peters. 
Um, in fact, I think his comparison was actually Aqib Talib, who I think is somewhat similar to Peters in that, you know, we're a, a good press guy who had a very good uh, anticipation and very good ball skills. So, you know, if, if the Ravens really, you know, didn't have a need anywhere else um, that could be filled in the first round, but this guy was still on the board, I would have to say, you know, this could be kind of a uh, best player available pick and, he might not be able to contribute this year uh, just in terms of the depth that we've got, but he could be a pretty interesting pickup for, you know, the following year and, and uh, the following years after that. And then the last guy I just wanted to bring up, uh, literally the only reason I brought him up is because of his name, A.J. Green, <laughs> cornerback from Oklahoma State. I mean, come on, guys. A.J. Green is still around in Cincinnati. I mean, we could have A.J. on A.J. <laughs> like, that would just <laughs> that would just be hilarious. Although I would really, you know, practically speaking, I would really hope that the Ravens don't put this AJ Green guy on AJ Green because that would mean yeah. all of our other cornerbacks were. Hurts. I was about to say we have like five better options. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that would that would not be a good season. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, certainly there are a bunch of other uh, cornerbacks in this uh, draft. I believe there's, you know, probably over twenty of them, uh, guys at least on the uh, NFL list of prospects. You know, I, I would not be surprised to see the Ravens uh, pick somebody in the later rounds. I think, you know, personally, I, I think it's it's very rare. I think uh, very unlikely that the Ravens are going to uh, pick somebody, you know, within the first couple of rounds. Yeah, I would agree with that. And let's also not forget, you know, we that uh, last year Ravens drafted Iman Marshall, who played sparingly last year, so he's still a question mark. But yeah, you get, do give up, bring up a great point that. Um, we're not sure how healthy Tavon Young's going to be, uh, so that may make that position a little more of a need than is obvious at first glance. But if the Ravens don't find someone as a security for Young, then then maybe Marshall will be uh, a fallback. Moving on to other positions that the Ravens might draft, but probably won't. Looking at the tight end position, we Chris and I did kid Alec a bit when he had... Uh, tight end as a need uh, back in the episode when we did that. Fifth highest need. Fifth highest need, correct. Fifth highest off off season need. Um, and I said at the time that I, I felt tight end was pro- was the most uh, secure position on the uh, the deepest position on the roster, most set, whatever you want to say, outside of uh, quarterback and kicker. But the Ravens did trade Hayden Hurst. He's now in Atlanta. Uh, but the Ravens were able to get a second round pick from from that, which while it sucks that that Hurst is gone, it's great to see that he'll get a an opportunity to be a Pro Bowl player. And I mean, a second round pick, excellent value. Um, I don't think the Ravens could have hoped for a better value on that. But it does bring into question a bit of an interesting in Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle. You have one of the best two uh, one two punches in tight end in the league. And then you have Patrick Card, who's a bit of an H-back, fullback, tight end, tweener. So this position seems set, but at the same time, maybe the Ravens want to, with the position being so set, maybe you take a risk on a late-round guy who is insanely raw now, but two or three years on the practice squad might turn into a serviceable third tight end. That's what I would say, except I took a look at the tight end crop for this year's draft and was severely underwhelmed. So I would not recommend the Ravens draft tight end, but again, I'm not a scout, but <laughs> I did pick a couple names here. 
these guys are guys that that looked like they'd be fifth round picks at the highest. Um, the lowest of these guys is barely projected to be drafted. Although I did see that um, this guy was meeting with the Rams, um, and I, I wouldn't. I don't think the Ravens are. If they do decide that that they want a third tight end, I'd be shocked if they pick higher than sixth round. To be honest, but there's a couple guys that show some intrigue. Colby Parkinson is a a tall tight end from Stanford. I believe I think he said six seven. Yeah, six foot seven tight end out of Stanford uh, has a fourth to fifth round grade. So this guy is a guy the Ravens might take if they think they want uh, another receiving tight end. Uh, he's a big red zone threat for Stanford. Uh, Eleven touchdowns combined in his first two seasons in Stanford. Now, last season in Stanford, he only had one touchdown, but apparently Stanford had uh, some big quarterback problems, so that might be what that was uh, associated with. However, looking at his tape, the guy plays high and is a really stiff runner, so I, I don't really think that he's worth too much thought for the Ravens. But if they want to do blocker uh, for a late-round pick, uh, Mitchell Wilcox out of South Florida, I believe, looked like he could be a potential guy who could come in and serve that third tight end role. Uh, and then a third name that I found, this is this guy's more of a, if the Ravens want to go the H-back route. Again, they kind of already have that in Ricard, but Jacob Breland out of Oregon is projected to be, you know, seventh round to maybe even an undrafted guy. There's some things to like about him. He was a really good receiver for Oregon. Again, like I said, he's, he served the H-back role, which with an offense as creative as, as the Ravens is, maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea to kind of groom another guy to fill that role. But again, looking at the tape on this guy, I wasn't terribly impressed. He looked pretty slow, not very agile. And those are the best guys I could really find in far as late round tight ends. And honestly, the first half of tight ends doesn't look too much better either. So luckily, this isn't a position of need this year for the Ravens. Peter, one thing I wanted to point out is uh, Charles Scarf is already on the practice squad. This is a player that Ken pointed out to me when I was on the show as a guy who could definitely maybe ascend to the starting uh, team next year and has impressed. One other person to bring up is Miles Boykin's old teammate, Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame. Although he played wide receiver at six foot four, two thirty eight, a lot of people think that he could convert to a tight end if he put a little bit more meat on his bones. He's a fast guy at four point four, uh, and had a very impressive combine though. So maybe he'll want to stay as a wide receiver. But he was one of those players that uh, people were pointing at as a possible convert. The last position we're looking at here, again, a position the Ravens probably won't draft because they're. Set at the moment with Earl Thomas and Chuck Clark. But Earl Thomas, it feels like he's been in the league forever. I mean, he has been in the league since 2010, but he's actually only 30. It's hard to believe. I keep thinking he's like 32 or 33, but he probably still has three to four seasons at least left in him. Chuck Clark, sure, there's the question of, is he going to maintain the breakout season that he had last year? But I think we're all pretty high on Chuck Clark and believe he'll be able to reproduce what he had but the Ravens they haven't had much luck with drafting safeties this past decade like Chuck Clark is the one who has worked out and he was a six-round pick so if they find someone who looks like a, a ball hawk and a playmaker 
and he's the best player available, I don't think it would be the stupidest idea to take a flyer on him and have him learn, you know, take advantage of the fact you got Earl Thomas there to mentor the guy and, you know, take a few seasons to develop to to take over for Earl when he is finally at the end of his career. Now, again, is that a this year priority for the Ravens in the draft? I would say probably more lean more towards no than yes, but we'll see. There are a couple guys that I found on this list I think sound potentially intriguing for them. One of the guys is uh, Jeremy Chin out of Southern Illinois. When the draft process started, this guy was considered more of like a second to third round pick, but he's actually been rising up the draft boards recently after he had a strong showing at the Senior Bowl. Now he's, they're saying that he's probably going to be a late first round pick to early second round pick. So probably not a guy that the Ravens are going to draft. Actually, I'd say the probability is really low, but this guy's a ball hawk, looks really good on tape from what I saw. He can play in the box as well as free safety, um, but he is was susceptible in college for, you know, quote unquote, taking the cheese and uh, <laughs> getting fooled on, uh, you know, pump fakes and by quarterback's eyes and stuff like that. So if the Ravens drafted him, he'd be a little bit of a risk player. So given other needs and and that he's probably going to be a high pick, I'd be really shocked to see the Ravens go that way. But there are also some interesting names further down the list. Kenny Robinson is actually being projected to be the first player from the you know short-lived inaugural XFL season to go off the draft board. Um, he's got a fourth-round pick label at the moment. In college, he apparently averaged 32.6 yards per interception return, so he's really good with the ball in his hand. Plays really fast in run defense, so he could be a guy that he's some team's going to take a chance on this guy. And he sounds like he has some upside. Some listeners uh, who follow college park sports will know the name Antoine Brooks. He's looking more of like a, a Tony Jefferson type strong safety really plays in the box and is a really good run suffer fifth round pick again, because he has UMD ties. Some fans might want him to fall to the Ravens, but it sounds like he's more of like the Deshaun Elliott type of role. So it sounds like it seemed to be kind of redundant to draft him. So I don't know if I see the Ravens going that way. I wrote out down a couple other names as well. Julian Blackman from Utah, Geno Stone from Iowa. Both these guys have smart football IQs and are very coachable. Um, I think that's kind of why I put them down because, you know, if we're looking for a player who's going to have to sit on the bench for a couple years and really soak in from a veteran, um, they kind of fit that mold. But Again, this probably isn't going to be a position that that the Ravens target. I think one thing that would be interesting from the safety position is that if Chuck Clark, as we know, comes up and plays in the box sometimes as a linebacker, you might be interested in one of these safeties to play as an actual safety. Um, we do have Deshaun Elliott, so he's definitely an option there. And uh, there's been chatter about Jimmy Smith playing back there and Anthony Levine. So there are other options, but I thought that might be worth bringing up. And also, like, maybe one of these safety types could gain some weight. You know, think of Chuck Clark. Maybe they intentionally draft a safety with better coverage skills, gain some weight, gets a little bit more physical, and then plays linebacker. That could be an interesting option as well. So just something I wanted to throw out there. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a that's a good point. Again, I think also for the reason that you stated, all those 
all those other names the Ravens can throw in that position maybe makes that more of a, a luxury pick like uh like Chris alluded to with um with cornerback. But yeah, no, that's definitely another another angle that the Ravens could go with it. Yeah, I mean I was just gonna add, I mean I feel like unlike you know, with cornerback we have like four or five guys who are returning, um, who are clearly slotted in for cornerback. Safety I think is definitely much more open because, you know, you have to remember that Brandon Carr played a, a fair amount of uh, free safety last year for us um, in those packages, and, you know, he's not going to be here this year. So there really is a need right now for somebody to step into that role, um, assuming we want to play, you know, a similar style of defense um, as we did last year. I don't really see that changing unless, you know, we happen to fill the inside linebacker position or, or you know, fill the safety position. So, you know, for me, I, I could definitely see the Ravens making a move in, you know, second, third, fourth round for a safety uh, to be able to fill in a little bit more of our depth. You have to remember too that, you know, although we're, we've been high on Deshaun Elliott, I th- is this his last year or the third, third year in his contract? He's coming up toward the end of his contract, I believe. So it's not like this guy is going to continue to be around for a long time. So it, it would definitely not surprise me to see the Ravens make a move this year, given that there is a little bit of a need, but it's also not as dire that, you know, they need this guy to step in right away. Yeah, that is a good point with Elliot too. Um, I feel like Elliot is, you know, his, his hype to production ratio is not very good, you know, <laughs> a lot more hype, not as super much production. So he is still a bit of a question mark as to, you know, how well will he do if he does step into that that role? So we know this is a longer episode, but it might be the last show we do before the Ravens uh, make all their selections. And we know that y'all are at home and dying for some of that content. So I thought it'd be fun to do some draft lines and bold predictions for this year's draft. So to start off, I want to ask the audience, you know, think about your answer to these and we'll answer them ourselves. 1.5 trades by the Ravens, over or under? I'm picking the over. I'm thinking they're going to do some onesie twosie stuff in the fourth round. They love doing that kind of crap to move up, you know, 10 picks here. <laughs> so I think they'll do one of those. And I honestly think that first pick is, it, it could be traded. I could see them doing something very similar to back when they picked Sergio Kendall, hoping it doesn't turn out that way, where they're, you know, near the end of the draft <laughs> and they go and take like a, the first pick, you know, one of the first picks of the second round. Right, because they're like our guy's still there, and we can get you know a fourth or uh, maybe even a third. You know, get some more value in the back end. I could totally see that happening. I would argue you set this number, this the hurdle too too low to clear. I would have put that up to at least two point five trades. I can see, I can see three or four. I mean, like we said, the Ravens have a lot of picks, and it's a deep draft at a lot of positions and a lot of positions that the Ravens have need in. So. I could definitely see the Ravens trading back once or twice in this draft because they've got a lot of a lot of players on their board at their selection. And I could also see them trading trading up in the first round. You know, they got that second round pick for Hayden Hurst for for a reason. I mean, despite the fact that we don't expect that the Ravens re-sign Hayden Hurst when his rookie deal ends two years from now, um, if he had stayed. I still don't think you you trade a player who who has that upside 
just because that that trade was out there. I think there was I think there's a plan for that second pick, whether it's to to actually use to to pick a player high or to use as a gambling token to uh, trade around. So yeah, I would I'll take the over and I'll say I'll say they take do at least three trades. So I want to point out if they were to trade that second round pick for Hayden Hurst, you're looking at maybe being able to move up to the 15th pick using the Jimmy scale of points. So that is interesting. Good point, Peter. Yeah, I mean, I I, I feel like kind of a broken record here, but I, I do agree with Peter's point. I feel like, you know, maybe another take here that, you know, we haven't already talked about is that um, I think there's a lot of teams, uh, particularly in the first round, um, who have extra picks because there were a lot of in-season trades last year. Um, so the Steelers, for example, don't have their first round pick because they traded it uh, a way to acquire Mika Fitzpatrick from the Dolphins. The Jags also acquired another first round pick um, when they traded away Jalen Ramsey. They got it from the Rams. Uh, I believe there's a, I want to say two or three other uh, teams who don't have first round picks this year because they you know, traded away for a certain other player. So, you know, to me, it seems, you know, kind of likely, you know, if you know, one of those teams who may not has who may not have a first round pick wants to try and get in at the bottom of the first round, be able to get somebody that they like, um, or maybe you know get into the top of the second. Same thing. You know, there's. I, I would say that the Ravens would probably be in a good position to try and take advantage of that and and trade back. So yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with Peter. I, I feel like the line maybe should have been at two and a half. I, I definitely think. Given some of the capital that's kind of around with you know what the teams have, I, I think there's definitely some opportunity there, probably more so than in other years for the Ravens to take advantage of that. All right, well, that goes to our next one. What do you think the percent chance is that the Ravens pick in the first round? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go seventy percent. I, I feel like they are gonna make the pick. All that being said, of you know what I just said about the Ravens being able to take an opportunity to trade back, it doesn't mean that they're going to do it in the first round. Definitely, trading up is a possibility if there's a player that they like. I think the the super interesting thing about the whole draft in general is it really depends on on how the first half I think falls and whether teams are trying to make a run for a certain position group or not. That's why it's kind of always awesome to be you know, sort of like the, the playoff spot, you know, around like the late 20s, like early 30s kind of thing is because you get to see what all the other desperate teams get to do. <laughs> and then you can react on that and hopefully get a good player that fell because, you know, people were running for like wide receivers or something. But all that being said, you know, I feel like there's a good number of, of players at a, a variety of positions that the Ravens could go for. You know, I would have to think that one of them would be available at 28. Or, you know, or maybe even higher. Definitely, you know, wouldn't be the first time, though, that the Ravens have traded back at the end of the first round. I think I remember. What year What year was that, Alec, I think? I think we watched the draft together, and they traded oh, yeah. back. Was it, uh, was it Upshaw? Yeah. We trade. Yeah, was it Upshaw? We traded out of the first round, and then uh, we had stayed up, like, all night at, like, 31. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I can see the Ravens going either way. The deep draft makes you think that maybe they will try and trade down and get extra picks because they'll have a lot of their top players potentially still available. But the flip side of that is with two second-round picks, you you might want to trade up and get a top 15 player and because then you'll still have two-thirds and a second at least. 
Well, you might have to put that third round in as well, depending on how high you're going. But I think I'd go, I don't know where I'm making these numbers up from, but I'd say maybe 80% uh, expecting the Ravens to pick in the first round. But either outcome wouldn't surprise me. Well, it sounds like maybe you think that it's maybe more likely that the Ravens will trade up than trade back because of that second round pick? Yes, I think so. Because I think that having those two thirds and those at least a second means it's more likely you're more likely to get some of those uh, some of those players that are a little lower on your board. And since you don't usually have that many picks in the first three rounds, and you don't usually get the opportunity to pick in the top 15 since you are a quality franchise and usually you're in the playoffs and have a winning record, this might be one of the best opportunities the Ravens have to get a, a player that high in the draft because of the way the, the because of the picks they have. So I'm leaning towards expecting them to trade up over trade down. Okay. So these are really interesting points that I had not considered going into this, uh, particularly this notion of trading up dramatically. Um, That said, I'm going to stick with my original projection. I was thinking in the 60s. So I'm going to put it at 64% that we pick in the first round. One player group that you might have noticed we omitted was the running back position. However, a lot of people have been pointing at the Ravens as a candidate to draft a running back. I find this kind of interesting given our running back situation. Ingram had a great year. Yes, he's getting a little older, uh, but Gus Edwards is still doing well, but he's going into his last year of, of his contract. And then, of course, you have the uh, sophomore, Justice Hill, who just did AMA uh, on Reddit. He uh, might you know, become a player, but most likely the Ravens don't see him as an every down back. So I wanted to see what you guys thought were the chances the Ravens pick a running back. I'm going to put it at 20%. So is this picking a running back at any round? Yeah, just at all. 100%. <laughs> oh, wow. Maybe maybe not maybe not 100. I'll go I'll go I'll go 90. Like I, I think it's very <laughs> likely that they pick up somebody. Wow. See, I could see undrafted, you know, for sure. I I think people will come in, but I, I didn't think they might use draft capital. All right, this is interesting. What do you think, Peter? Yeah, I I I know I looked when we were first talking about the position groups and I saw that we didn't have running back on the list of groups we were going to research and I remember thinking at the time I think that the Ravens, I think I think it's as likely that they'll pick a running back as it is a a, a safety or or even a well I wouldn't say edge rusher because they're almost certainly going to pick an edge rusher interior defensive lineman I guess you got to think about running back man um, Mark Ingram is is thirty he looked great last year but he did have an injury and running backs when they when their career is done they just fall off a cliff without warning so you got to look at that. Gus Edwards is in a contract year, and I don't know, I don't know if Gus Edwards is really a guy you want to be a bell cow. I mean, he works really good as a change of pace back. We highlighted he was one of the most efficient running backs in the league last year, um, but he's part of a essentially four headed rushing attack, including Lamar. And Justice Hill definitely has to show us more to prove that he could be a more than a than a third down back. Yeah, I I think that. I'll say 88% chance using my wow. completely, you know, made up statistics there. I'll say 88% chance the Ravens pick 
a running back between rounds four through seven. All right. Well, that makes it interesting. I'm really keen to see what happens. So it looks like for some perspective, right? Um, if I'm looking at the the entire draft history of the Ravens, although I'm not, I'm not really going to reference the entire one because that's sort of silly and not relevant to today's NFL. But so 2019, uh, Justice Hill drafted running back. Uh, 2018 and 2017, the Ravens did not draft a running back, um, which is a little surprising actually because 2018 was a huge draft. There were a lot of people drafted that year. But even 2016, 2015, 2014, 2013, 2012, 2011, all of those years a running back was drafted. You'd have to go all the way back to 2010 uh, for a year that the Ravens did not draft a running back. So I don't know. It's it, it seems pretty likely to me. Dang, you pulled out the analytics. Now I've been wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I agree. Like, you know, you can always change your answer and edit out your 20% or take nah, a risk I'll that stay you look true. like a genius after the picks. I'm going to stay true. <laughs> I'm going to stay true. And then uh, cancel season will happen, you know, after they pick a running back or I can, uh, you know, gloat hey, don't, about don't joke about cancel season. <laughs> oh, God. You're right. <laughs> oh. All right. Next one. Next one. Pick one player from our list who's the most likely Raven. I want to say Terrell Lewis because he's got Raven written all over him. But I think that all, that might be a red herring. Not red herring. Maybe it, I'm, what I meant was, you know, we're getting, we're letting that influence our decision a little too much on how he's a good fit for the Ravens. I'll go with uh, Cesar Ruiz. I haven't looked at a ton of mock drafts. I'll take Chris's word for it that some people have mapped into the Ravens. Center is definitely a need on this team, and he's, unlike Thomas, it it looks like he's going to be a later first-round pick if he is, and has a good chance to even drop pretty far into the second round, be a late second-round pick. So I'll I'll go with Cesar Ruiz. For me, honestly, uh, Epineza is a guy I've had my eye on for a while. I really like his tape. Just seems like a guy who, you know, really stands out in game film. Absolutely relentless, as the comment that Alec put down here uh, once we just covered him. So I would absolutely love to see him as a Raven. I just think he, uh, I think he would fit in this team very well. For me, I'm going to go with Alex Highsmith. We talked about him a lot this episode. Small school guy. The Ravens have had history with uh, Ladarius Webb and Matthew Judon as two examples of absolutely great small school finds. I think they continue that and go and get Alex Highsmith and we watch him flourish as a Raven. Would love to see it. I would not be mad at all if the Ravens got all three of these guys. That would be a good Sounds like a beautiful draft. Yeah. (laughs) Get a wide receiver somewhere in there and call it a day. Sounds good to me. So with that, we're going to wrap up Ravens recap for this week. Thank you so much for listening. We do have a surprise for you though. Uh, since this episode went long and was all focused on the draft, we're not going to take a hard left turn and talk about NFL uniforms, but we do have thoughts after the Bucks and Atlanta Falcons showed off their uniforms. So we'll be posting it on the Patreon. It'll be a free upload, so just go over there, check it out, and you can hear our thoughts about the Bucks and the Falcons' new jerseys. But with that, thank you so much for listening. Please go follow us on Twitter. Ravens underscore recap or send us an email feedback at ravensrecap.com. We're here for you, Doran. Hashtag quarantine season, and we'll see you soon. Go Ravens.